My name is Caitlin. Welcome to the Serial Killer Gals. I'm here with my co-host, Courtney. Hello, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about the murder and torture of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens in 1965. So this case is like pretty horrific, and I actually don't see a lot of people talking about this, which is weird because it's such a huge case just in the world. Um, Like a lot of people know about it, but there's not really a lot of episodes talking about it. So per a request from (laughs) my husband, Jordan, (laughs) we are going to be doing this case. Yeah, so this one's pretty horrific and does include like torture of a child. So just... We'll give a trigger warning closer to, but just gear up for that, for sure. Very sick case. Yeah, it's really gross. So, all right, we're going to start off, like, from the beginning talking about Sylvia's parents, Lester and Betty Likens. So, Sylvia grew up in a very unstable and poor household. She was the middle child of five children, born between two sets of twins. Like, (laughs) already the outcast (laughs) child. Yeah. Sylvia's father, Lester, had entered the Navy a few months after him and Betty got married in 1944, and he remained there for about two years before coming back home to Lebanon, Indiana. So, within a year of Lester being home, Betty gave birth to a set of fraternal twins, Diana and Danny. I cannot believe she had two sets of twins. No, that hurts me just thinking about it. (laughs) And, like, they were not well off. No. So, like... That's way too many kids. I know. I'm like, okay, why did you even try to begin with? But, okay. (laughs) You're fertile myrtle. (laughs) This is already starting off like, okay, red flag. You're poor, but we're going to try and have a baby. So, Sylvia came about two years after, and then after that... About a year later, they had another set of twins, which is Jenny and Benny. So (laughs) that's a lot of young children at once. Yeah. So that's like they had their hands. Yeah. That's like five under five. They had these very close together. So Lester and Betty went from having no kids to five kids within just a few years. And they were having major money issues, obviously. (laughs) That definitely got in the way of their marriage. I'm sure. So, Lester only had an eighth grade education, and he was constantly doing odd jobs to try and make ends meet, like doing factory work, he tried to own a small restaurant business, doing laundry routes, stuff like that. He had also traveled on carnivals, running a concession stand, and the summer of 1965, Lester decided he wanted to go back to doing this. So, as I said before, Lester and Betty were having major issues in their marriage, and this often led to large periods of separation between the two of them. So, in the summer of 1965, while Betty and Lester were separated, Betty got arrested for shoplifting and wound up in jail. And this is where Gertrude, or Gertie, Banazowski comes into the story. So, after Betty's arrest, um, the kids just kind of, like, ended up with Gertie, And Betty knew her just, like, from the neighborhood. Like, she would kind of, like, often leave the kids there to babysit and stuff because Gertie was, like, a stay-at-home mom. And we'll get into her whole backstory later because that's a whole mess in its own. (laughs) She also had a messy life. Yeah, and lots of children. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who told these people that they could just have all these kids? Like, Oh, my gosh. She had seven children. I don't know where they put them all. Yeah. I mean, like, houses, 
I don't know, the houses that we live in, they don't have that many bedrooms. Like, you're shoving kids in rooms at this point. Yeah, and, like, (laughs) I'm the youngest of four children, and I had to share a room growing up, but imagining if there were more of us, and I had to share a room with more than just one. Oh, absolutely. My God. So, after Betty's arrest, Lester found Jenny, who's 15 at this time, and Sylvia, who's 16, at Gertie's house. Uh, during this time, the two oldest, Diana and Danny, were already moved out on their own, and Jenny's twin, Benny, was left with their grandmother. So, this is where I get a little confused. <laughs> because Your 17-year-olds are off on their own? Yeah, because for some reason, like, Diana and Danny were, like, already moved out and, like, out of the picture, which I guess speaks for, like, how bad things were in their household. But for some reason, Benny was, like, always left with their grandmother. And I'm like, why was only Benny left with their grandmother? She couldn't take three. She yeah, just picked like, a favorite grandchild. And, like, thank God <laughs> that yeah. he, that at least one of them wound up there. But it's like, right. and I explained this a little later on, but, like, Jenny has side effects from having polio young in her life. So she has, like, a weakened leg, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you would think that you would take the child that's like disabled. Right. Help out a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> like, you, I don't understand because a 15 and 16 year old, like, they can handle themselves. They're good on their own. So I don't really understand why she couldn't take all three of them. And right. because of that, we have this case to begin with. Right. So uh, the Lycans were in severe financial strain, and this is why Lester decided to take up a carnival gig this summer. And he planned to take Betty with him, and he needed someone to care for the kids while they were away. Um, Gertie agreed to take Sylvia and Jenny for $20 a week, which, like, for reference, is about $150 a day, like today. And she insisted on it because she needed the money since she was a stay-at-home mom. So Gertie was also very poor at this time, and it'll make more sense later, but she wasn't really getting support from anywhere, so... She was also struggling and kind of like manipulated Lester to think that it was a safe household. But had he gone anywhere but the living room of this place, he would have seen that there was no food in the fridge. There wasn't even enough beds for all these kids to sleep on. Like he would have taken them and walked straight out of there. So he sure didn't walk (laughs) past that living room at all ever. (laughs) No, he did literally never. Like every time they would come and see the kids every few weeks, he never... They never went past the living room. And it's like they didn't even bother to really. Especially if you're leaving your children with someone that you barely know, I would be, I want to know everything. Yeah. That's why I'm like, it really didn't take much convincing, did it? (laughs) Like, you can't, even like worst case, like you can't take them with you. Right. Like they can't help you in the concessions. Cause like, but it's like, a working age. Was it? Yeah. Wasn't like, the working age a little bit younger back then? Yeah. I like, don't I'm, know, though. I'm, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure, like, the working laws for kids were, like, really relaxed back then. Mm-hmm. So, even, like, I don't know, even as a family thing, I'm like, I don't even understand why you couldn't bring them with you, because Sylvia... It's not like they're eight. Yeah. They're like, 15 and 16. Sylvia was very aware that they did these carnival gigs and she would often like sell things like Coke and like candy to classmates for money to try and buy food herself. So it's like she was aware that they did that and like picked up on that herself. So 
Right. Yeah. So that was clearly like a lapse in judgment on his part. And like, I don't know if it's because Betty had often left the kids with Gertie that he was just like, oh, well, Betty trusts her. So we'll just go with it. But I mean, the house was filthy. They didn't even have food. So it's like, why would you leave your kids there? But yeah, he agreed to the arrangement. So this is where we're going to get into Gertrude's background, which is pretty messy because her life was a shit show. (laughs) (laughs) No part of this is good. To say the least. (laughs) So now we're going to get into her life and her history a little bit before we talk about the abuse that occurred in the household that summer, because I do think it's relevant to kind of talk about why she is the way that she is. So... Gertie was the third child of six and suffered from great trauma when she was only 11 of watching her father die of a heart attack right in front of her. Even as like a really young kid, she had like a lot of trauma. And when she was 16, she dropped out of high school to marry 18-year-old John Banaszewski. Sorry, their last name is so weird. I I, like don't know how to pronounce it, but (laughs) I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, And then they had four children together. So, John was an Indianapolis policeman and would often get violent with Gertie and beat her. Hmm. And, I mean, I would just like to point out, you know, he was a police officer, so... Supposed to be doing good work. (laughs) Noticing an odd coincidence there, but... You don't need to go any further into that. So um, they were together for 10 years before divorcing. And after this, she briefly married a man named Edward Gunthry. However, this did not last very long. Uh, They were only married for three months before they divorced because he was sick of her kids. (laughs) He didn't want her kids around. Like, okay, (laughs) there's way too many kids. Like, why'd you agree to the marriage? Yeah. The kids were always there. You knew you knew there was more than enough kids. Yeah. So the part where it gets weird is that after this, she just decided to remarry John. <laughs> so they just remarried. And they were together for another seven years and had two more kids together before they permanently divorced in 1963. Only weeks after her divorce, she began a relationship with a 22-year-old Dennis Wright who had also physically abused her. She had one child with Dennis, and that would be her last child, making her total seven children, and she had six miscarriages over the course of this whole thing. Sheesh. Which I'm not really surprised by, unfortunately, because all of these men were very abusive to her. So she clearly, yeah, like, it was very obviously a normal thing in her life for this abuse, because she received it from every single person she was with. Right. So Dennis abandoned her shortly after the birth of their son. And this left her in a really bad spot because she had relied on him for her income. Uh, this left her as a single mother of seven that rec- that relied on occasional child support payments from John to get by. Which occasional is even a stretch. He barely sent them. He was a piece of garbage. So that's like, you're going to leave your six kids like with nothing right what were what were you doing in this time and i feel like being a police officer i don't know how much they got paid back then but it had been enough to at least suffice you're only taking care of yourself at that point yeah i feel like it was a decent amount and like i'm 
just shocked at how she even managed to get by. I mean, because obviously there's no more information on this, but it's like she didn't start getting these payments from Betty and Lester until she took on their kids two years later. So it's like she literally had barely any money coming in and she didn't work. And I don't know, $20 for nine people. That's a stretch. Yeah. So it's like, and that money became all that even if it was she got. Even if it was $150, you know, in their time, that's still a stretch. Like $150 yeah. on food. Is, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if like, I don't know, like we don't get any information on like her bills or anything. Cause I mean, it's not really relevant, but it's just like she, she was desperate for this money. So she said anything she had to, to convince them to leave their kids there. And even when they would send the, her extra money for other things for the girls for school, she would just keep it, mm-hmm. leaving them having to steal just to get things. Yeah, she was very desperate for money at this point, which I like, I mean, I understand. So things got even worse when her oldest daughter, Paula, who is 17 at this time, became pregnant by a married man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so needless to say, she saw this situation with Lester and Betty as her chance to get some extra money. So she made sure to convince them to leave Sylvia and Jenny in her care. So this is where the abuse comes in. Trigger warning. It's (laughs) very sick. I tried my best to put this in chronological order, but you really don't get much information on when things happened until we start getting dates later on. So um, this is just kind of as much as I could find on it, and it is not pretty. So be careful going forward with this. So the first two weeks of being with Gertie's care, everything seemed to be going fine. Uh, They were treated kindly enough, except for Paula didn't like Sylvia, and they often got in arguments. They were around the same age. Yeah, so it makes sense. It was just clear, like, Paula was clearly jealous of Sylvia because she was a very beautiful girl, and she was just jealous of that, obviously. You can definitely tell that that's the situation later on. Mm -hmm. One week, Lester's payment came in late, and Gertie was enraged by this. She screamed at them, I took care of you bitches for two weeks for nothing. Uh, She screamed that at Sylvia and Jenny before, forcing them to lay across the bed with their skirts and underwear down as she beat them with a quarter-inch thick paddle, despite the payment coming in the next day. So... I mean, like, does she not understand mail delays? <laughs> and how is that their fault? I know, like, she literally just, like, beat them for the payment coming late. And this just really started the absolute downfall of all of it. So, Gertie's health was severely deteriorating at this time due to unidentified chronic illnesses. Like, we are not aware of what she was suffering from. But she also had a lack of proper hygiene and she barely ate due to them, like, being so poor, they didn't have money for food, really. So I'll post pictures of what she looked like on our Instagram. Like, you can tell, like, she was small. Yeah, sunken eyes. Yeah. Skeleton figure. Her face, from the start of this till the end, like, she ends up looking like a literal skeleton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was only 100 pounds and was 5 feet 6 inches tall. So, and she was 36 years old. That is definitely severely underweight yeah so because of how ill she was she often had to use other things to beat sylvia because she was not strong enough to do so so she would use curtain rods and paddles instead of maybe taking the hint to just not do it at all right oh my god 
And that's just the beginning. The first incident seemed to start the downward spiral of all of this abuse, and it narrowed in on Sylvia specifically for some reason. And I mean, Jenny was the weaker one of the two of them. So because she suffered that injury from polio, causing one of her left legs, causing her left leg to be weaker than the other, she walked with a notable limp and wore a steel brace on her leg. So I'm sure, I don't know if this is the reason, that Jenny was not really harmed very much throughout this whole thing. I mean, physically, because obviously mentally watching your sister be beaten to death is, I can't imagine the trauma that she suffered. So, but they mainly left her alone. Like she didn't receive much physical beatings like Sylvia did. Mostly probably because she couldn't fight back, really. I think Paula kind of helped sway Gertie to think that Sylvia was like the bad child, like the bad seed of the family, just because of her clear bias with them always getting in these arguments. Uh, So Sylvia, even despite the fact that Jenny was very weak, Sylvia, however, was the confident and strong-willed one with the nickname of Cookie. So I'm sure this is why she was the chosen one. After this initial incident of beating with the paddle, the girls began to get paddled pretty much every single day. Uh, One day in August, the girls were paddled 15 times in one day. Uh, Shortly after a church social, Paula told her mother that it was disgusting the amount of food that she saw Sylvia eating that day. Many other kids followed suit and told her as well. As a result of this, Gertie force-fed her hot dogs soaking in condiments to the point of making her vomit. And then when she threw up, she berated her more for the waste of food and made her eat the vomit. This is so disgusting. Like, I don't even know how you could do that. Not even... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's like, nothing I can even say about it. It's so disgusting. To clearly manipulate these young kids into saying what you want them to say because it's clearly like Paula spearheaded so much of this she's at the front end of like all of these stories and just telling her mother anything that she wants to hear basically yeah literally and then like the fact that like the kids followed suit that was not a coincidence like that was at the hand of Paula so there's just There's no excuse for this. I don't know. Maybe she was eating a lot because you don't fucking feed her. You have no food for your children. So yeah, she's going to eat when she gets the chance. And it's not like this was an issue. Like, like Sylvia wasn't taking food from other people. She was eating what you would probably consider a normal amount. But because none of these kids or Gertie herself even were able to eat because they were so poor, for some reason she considered this an issue when nobody else was complaining about it. Nobody from the church, like nothing. So soon after this incident, Betty and Lester came to visit and that usually happened every few weeks. Nothing about these incidents were mentioned because Gertie threatened the girls to keep them quiet about what was going on. So they were clearly scared and they were taken out of the house at one point to go get ice cream and they still didn't say anything, but I don't blame them because they were- And also, like, with the time period that this was, like, they were probably scared of just being told that they were being dramatic and then getting in trouble for saying something. It's hard to imagine. Even, like, especially with Betty and Lester not even bothering to go further than the living room of this house, like, they don't even understand the conditions. They had no idea. And I also can't help but wonder why it wasn't a red flag to them when Sylvia was constantly covered in bruises, she had black eyes at some points. Why was that not something that they were like, oh, why does my daughter have a black eye? 
Why does she have bruises all over her arms? I mean, kids get bruises, but they're old enough that they're not, like, falling down and roughhousing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand, even if you, for some reason, have the belief that it's, like, okay to hit kids for punishment. A black eye doesn't seem severe. That's absurd. Yeah. So, it's... Like, I guess it was just a different time, but for me, that just isn't an excuse. So this is where Gertie's mental stability starts to really decline because the torture she was inflicting on Sylvia, this stuff was really horrific. I mean, there was an instant where Gertie overheard Sylvia talking about how she let a boy feel her up and she's 16. I mean, this is pretty normal. So this caused Gertie to freak out and scream at Sylvia, calling her a prostitute, and told the entire house that Sylvia was pregnant because she let a boy touch her genitals. Okay, your own daughter is pregnant, so I don't think you should have anything to say about Sylvia being felt up. Yeah, pregnant with a married man's baby. So, maybe you should mind your own. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. Honestly. Worry about your own kids. (laughs) Oh my god. Like, she literally spread a rumor that she was three months pregnant. And everyone believed it because she's the adult of the house. She's 36 years old. Right. Like, you should not be spreading rumors about a 16-year-old. So, she then began brutally kicking her in the crotch over and over again. And when she was done, Sylvia went to go sit in a chair. After that, Paula threw her out, telling her she wasn't fit to sit in chairs. Like, this was the first of many incidents of them, like, kicking her in that area. That is just so gross. Like, why? And for Paula, the person who's actually pregnant, to be throwing her out of the chair? Right. Girl. (laughs) Like, I can't. Like, I do not, like, I understand Paula was still a minor, but that is no excuse. 17-year-old, you know what you are doing. I can't believe a 17-year-old has this much hatred. I I mean, it's clearly from Gertrude, but I mean, oh my god. I know, like, she was such a manipulative person, and obviously the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, I mean, she was one of the biggest people in this situation along with Gertie and you'll see that later when we talk about like the sentencing and stuff she played a huge role so I definitely believe that she helped manipulate the younger kids into going on in along with this because I mean a 10 year old is not going to do this on their own no all of these kids see it being a normal thing and they think that it's funny and it's okay just being taught bad things yeah and it's like obviously they still did those things and that's still not okay but they were manipulated into doing those things and now i'm sure they live with a lot of trauma from that so paula would beat sylvia so hard that at one point she broke her own wrist and when she got a cast on it she would use that as a weapon to beat her further and after this incident with the chair sylvia was only allowed to sit in chairs with permission and kids in the house would use her as a doll in games that would result in her getting beaten and pushed downstairs and just constantly abused so this is clearly viewed as games and fun to the young kids in the house because they would use her as a plaything. so they're playing house basically and because they were taught to beat people up they're beating up 
Yeah. They're like doll, quote unquote. Yeah. And like Gertie would encourage this. Like there were many instances where she encouraged these kids to do these things. So in what was most likely an act of retaliation from Sylvia, she started a rumor at school that Paula and Stephanie were prostitutes, which I can't help but find a little funny. I mean, you're pregnant with another a married man's kid. So and Stephanie is one of Gertrude's daughters. Yes. We'll specify when one of them are the kids, because there's so many you probably won't remember. Right. So, Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy Hubbard, heard this rumor and viciously beat Sylvia, banging her head against the wall and slamming her onto the floor. So, once Stephanie heard of this, she told Gertie, and Gertie encouraged Coy to come over and beat Sylvia. Let's just add another person to the mix. Literally. Like, now we are further into like her encouraging people outside of just the household now it's not just her kids but it's people in the neighborhood like it's starting to be other kids that live around there he was in judo and she encouraged him to use sylvia as like a practice doll for his sessions and all of his friends as well she then god this is actually horrific and i'm not going into detail about this um just because I think the details are necessary, but she forced her to perform sexual acts in front of the boys. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, you can find that other places, but I just don't think it's relevant to go into detail. So due to how often Sylvia was beat in the genitals, she had a hard time holding her bladder and she would start wetting the bed in that her and Jenny shared. And this enraged Gertie, even though it's her fucking fault. <laughs> So she tied her up in the basement and October 6th, this is where she would remain until she passed away. So she basically trapped her in the basement and she couldn't leave. Like she tied her down there and she would have to sleep on rags. And this is where her health starts to majorly decline. She was constantly beaten. She couldn't hold down food because of her constantly being force fed disgusting things to where she would vomit. Uh, She was severely dehydrated. She was getting burned constantly by Gertie's cigarettes. Like she couldn't catch a break. And at this point, she was aware that she was going to die. Like she told Jenny she was aware she was going to die down there because of how bad things were. And about two months before Sylvia was murdered, their older sister, Diana, came to visit and they went to a local park with her. This is where I just get really irritated because Jenny actually opened up about the abuse they were enduring and specifically about Sylvia being the target of these attacks. And Diana just thought that they were exaggerating about being disciplined. Like, I'm sorry, girl, what? (laughs) Do you not see the proof? If your sisters are coming and telling you that you're being beaten, I don't know. I feel like people aren't just going to say that to really be like, oh, they're just being exaggerated. Like, they're just exaggerating about being disciplined. What? No. Being beaten every hour of the day is not discipline. It's just torture. She was being tortured. And they saw Diana several times at the park and she just wouldn't listen to them. That's horrible. No wonder they didn't tell their own parents because their own sister didn't believe them. That's supposed to be the person that's on your side. Not only were they probably afraid of being beaten more by Gertie if they told somebody, but now they're not even being believed. So why would they even say anything? Yeah, honestly. And like one of the times that they saw Gertie at this park, their 11 year old, Gertie's 11 year old daughter, Marie was there and uh, Sylvia mentioned how she was hungry. So Diana gave her a sandwich. And uh, after this Marie snitched 
to Gertie that she ate this sandwich, and Paula and Gertie both beat her and forced her to take a scalding hot bath to cleanse her of her sin, quote unquote. And she would then pass out because of how hot the water was, and they would just bang her head against the wall to wake her up again. So even when she was outside of the house, like these kids would not let her get away with anything, like even eating, like just eating a sandwich, they would beat her for. And if Sylvia, or I mean, if Diana was really seeing Sylvia, you can, I'm sure, see bruises and scratches and... Yeah, like she, with how often she was being beaten, there's literally no way that they did not notice these scars and these burn marks like she was burned on the tips of her fingers like how do you not notice it's two months before her death so it's what august at least it's still hot outside i'm sure she wasn't wearing sweaters and stuff to cover up most of her body i'm sure she was wearing shorts and skirts well and they constantly beat her in the face too like they slammed her head against stuff like she probably suffered from multiple concussions that she was never able to recover from because they would just beat her further and like those incidents caused her to have such bad like brain trauma that she started to be incoherent when she spoke because of how often that was. And that was like the one chance for someone to help her. So it's so frustrating to me. And I, Sickening. I don't, I don't think I put this in the notes, but I remember reading about one time that Diana tried going to the house and she was turned away. Oh, I re- I did read that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, that wasn't a red flag to you? I would have like, gone straight to the police after that. Like, they're not letting me in to see my sisters. There's something wrong. Oh, they are claiming they're being abused when I saw them a month ago. So I'm, I try to go to the house and they won't let me in. Maybe want to tell your parents about that. Maybe want to tell the police about that or do anything. Um, break down that door because if you did do that, you would have seen that she was in the basement tied up. And there was a time where one of the neighbors called, I don't know if social services was a thing back then, but they did call the police. And because Sylvia was tied up in the basement at this point, they only looked on the first floor and they left because everything was deemed fine. Again, hello. Can we go to any other part of this house? They didn't bother to actually look. So every single person that at one point had anything to do with this, failed Sylvia because they did not even actually bother to do their jobs. So October 3rd, just a few days before Sylvia passed away, uh, the abuse was escalating to a new point and they branded words on her body. So they burned the words, I'm a prostitute and I'm proud of it. And this was carved into her stomach with a needle over flames. Gertie did most of this, but got the 14-year-old neighbor Richard Hobbs to finish. And once Gertie's 10-year-old daughter... <laughs> Jordan, freaked me the fuck out for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... God, <laughs> so... Um, once finished, Gertie's 10-year-old daughter, Shirley, tried branding an S into her left breast, but it was backwards and it resembled a three instead. And they tried to deny this later on, I'm assuming, to just spare her daughter, Shirley, from having to, like, get any consequence. But it was very obvious she did it. Like, they were trying to claim it was already there from sexual acts she committed in the woods. Like, okay, she's 10 no. years old, you know. <laughs> Come on. 
seriously. So October 25th was the first escape attempt by Sylvia, and she tried to escape multiple times. But due to the fact that she was so weak, she was never able to get further than the bottom of the stairs. I'm sure she was so malnutrition. Like, yeah, like she was barely living at this point. And I mean, it just shows you like for her to even try, like she was so strong willed during this whole thing. And it's just so sad. Like if she was just able to get out and she couldn't even reach the door. And at this point, she was forbid to even go to school. Gertie pulled her out of school. (laughs) She was literally locked in the basement. Yeah. Like someone that wasn't her parents or like just someone that was babysitting her pulled her out of school. And the reason behind this was because she stole a gym uniform. The reason she stole the uniform was because Gertie was not paying, giving her the money that her parents sent to buy the uniform. And she didn't want to get in trouble for not having one, which the fact that she would even get in trouble for that at school, like if one kid doesn't have the uniform, it's because they can't afford it. Yeah. Gertie assumed she stole this just by her having it to begin with. So there was no win. Like, even if someone else gave this to her, she just having it in her possession got her in trouble. So now at this point, she has been locked in the basement since October 6th. She's been pulled out of school. She can't even leave the basement. And people that come over to visit that are supposed to be looking out for Sylvia are not even bothering to go in the basement. They're only checking the first floor. So uh, days before this, Gertie forced Sylvia to write a letter claiming that she had run away with one of the neighborhood boys and that was the cause of her abuse. Gertie was clearly aware that Sylvia was going to die soon and this was an attempt to escape the blame that finally came to her at the end. And this did not work because Sylvia was very smart and purposefully wrote the letter with different mannerisms so it would not look like she wrote it on her own volition so many people just failed this poor girl like coming to check on her no you couldn't have seen her she was locked in the basement so nobody's seen sylvia for how many days or weeks well and i am curious because all the articles say that like betty and luster came to visit every few weeks but she was in the basement from october 6th to October 26th, the day she passed away. So she was in the basement for 20 days and they did not come a single time. If they would have come a single time, they would have seen that she was locked in the basement and they would have pulled her, I assume. I would hope so. (laughs) So now we are on the day that Sylvia died, October 26th. She passed away after being beaten with a curtain rod as a punishment for trying to escape the basement that she was being held captive in. So she died trying to escape her abuse. This was done by Gertie and Coy Hubbard. Sylvia died of a brain hemorrhage, shock, and malnutrition. After three months of being beaten, tortured, and starved, Sylvia was so weak she could barely lift her limbs. She became incoherent from brain damage. She was unable to really speak um, words at all. It was just jumbled mess. Her autopsy proved over 150 wounds and she had a hole in her right wrist that almost went to the bone and they believe this is from a cigarette. So when the police came, Gertie was stuck to the story that Sylvia had ran away with the neighborhood boys and that she had been beaten and carved that stuff into her stomach by them. And she had just returned home like that, which is like, okay, how do you explain how she died if she returned home? Right. But Jenny took this as her chance and told the police that she'd tell them everything if they would make sure to get her out of that house. And they took her up on that. 
Thank God. Finally, someone's listening. (laughs) Yeah, because Jenny is the only reason that Sylvia reached any form of justice. I mean, they're a little bit too late, obviously, but yeah, at least they're listening to Jenny before something bad happened to her, too. Yeah, exactly. So now we are at the sentencing, and I wish that I could say that this will finally feel okay, but it doesn't. (laughs) You won't feel good about it at all. They, oh God, let's just get into it. (laughs) So it's not funny, but it's just so irritating that you can't, there's no other emotion. It's laughing from feeling uncomfortable. (laughs) Literally. So the police arrested Gertie, Paula, Stephanie, and John Banaszewski. So those are all of the Gertie and a few of her children. Not Gertie's ex-husband, John, but her son. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Cause they were that conceited that they named one of their kids after him. So <laughs> like confusing. Uh, and then Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard, the, for the murder. Those are all the people that were arrested for her murder. And then neighborhood participants, Mike Monroe, Randy Leopard, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, Anna Sisko, were also arrested for injury to a person. So, I mean, literally so many of those people were just neighborhood people. So that just really shows like this whole neighborhood committed this crime. All of them. Every single one of the like, Yeah. I don't know. So there were several more children to get involved that were involved with this, but given their ages, they were not charged, which I understand they were children, but to just be like, oh, well, you're too young. Like, that would not fly nowadays. I, go, I know. I go back and forth because, like, they were manipulated by everybody. And yeah. And they thought this was okay behavior. I don't know. But you should have some kind of consequence for your actions Even to show it, you that this is not okay. This is not good behavior. Yeah. Exactly. Because, if anything, I feel like that's more of a reason why they should get a consequence. Because, I mean, none of... The girls, and we've mentioned several, like, 10-year-old girls at this point, like, 10 and 11-year-olds, and, like, like Marie and stuff like that. Like, they didn't suffer any consequence for this because they were too young, but they, like, they are now at a point where they mentally think that that's okay, and they didn't suffer any consequence because they were too young. How are they ever going to learn that that, their that mother's was not behavior okay? is not normal? So... The young children at this point didn't suffer anything, so all of these people are at least teenage age or above. So, yeah, that's frustrating for me. But the minors would later blame Gertie for pressure into being partaking, which makes sense. I mean, she clearly pressured them. So Gertie pleaded guilty for reason of insanity with her attorney claiming she's not responsible because she's not all here. Clearly. Okay. She still did it. Yeah. And was aware that Sylvia was going to die because she made her write a note that would explain all of her abuse. Oh, yeah. She tried a big cover up. So (laughs) she was not all there for several reasons. She's not all there, but was very aware she was killing this girl and made her write a note explaining her abuse. Like, okay, dude. Like, I get you're just doing your job, but okay. 
Despite this, May 19, 1966, Gertie was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. She was spared the death penalty despite her own lawyer saying she deserved the electric chair, so nobody was on her side at this point. (laughs) Paula, who had given birth to her daughter mid-trial in prison, was convicted of second-degree murder and also got life in prison. Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Banaszewski were all convicted of manslaughter and got two to 20 years since they were all minors they ended up just getting two years parole which is just insane not okay that's no i understand they're minors but they literally coy was one of the people that beat her to her death and richard hobbs helped carve stuff into her stomach so it's like they just got away with it basically and at this time gertie and paula were both retried in 1971 due to not receiving a fair trial. I think it was pretty fair. I agree. I think they should have spent life in prison, like 100%. I agreed with that verdict, but they were retried. And this time, Paula pled guilty to voluntary manslaughter and was eventually released in December of 1972, meaning Paula only served roughly six years for her role in Sylvia's murder. I think she's just as guilty as her mother, and she should have served the same sentence that she was given in the first place. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Because after this, she changed her last name to Paula Pace, and she became a teacher aide. She was a teacher's aide in Iowa. Like, this bitch worked with kids directly after getting released from prison for the murder of one. No background check. I just don't understand. I can't. Because it was the 70s, they didn't bother which is like, I'm assuming they didn't have the technology, but that still is like, okay, so anyone could be a teacher? Anyone? So she was later fired in 2012 when the school learned of her real identity. And this was before background checks, but it's still like, okay. That's so recent to us. Literally. It's crazy. That's nine years ago. That long. She was a teacher for 40 years. It would just be crazy if any of the people during that time period that had her as a teacher, like, I would love to hear stories because I feel like she was definitely not a good one. There had to have been like some manipulation or getting kids in trouble for no reason kind of thing. I feel like she was that teacher. Like, six years is not enough time for you to just magically become a different person. Right. So the child she gave birth to in 1966 was given up for adoption and she later had children with her husband. She had children of her own. I would love to talk to her own children also. Like she, oh my God, I cannot. All right. So I don't have any other information on the child that was given up for adoption, which I hope they were shielded from all of this and never found out because I can't imagine how horrible that would be. I hope that they got the best family. Yeah, I agree. You were spared. You were spared. (laughs) You were definitely spared. Uh, So Gertie received another first degree murder charge and would spend the next 14 years in Indiana women's prison and was released in 1985. And after that, she completely changed her name to Nadine Von Fossen and moved to Iowa which is obviously to be where Paula was. And she died of lung cancer in 1990 at the age of 61, which karma is full 60. (laughs) As you should. Like, I'm sorry, but uh, I feel like lung cancer is pretty brutal. And I don't know, maybe one of those cigarettes that you burned Sylvia with were the reason. (laughs) Like... 
So Stephanie was charged with Sylvia's murder since was never charged with Sylvia's murder because she was only 15 at the time, which is like, okay, doesn't change the fact that she contributed. So she just turned into a character witness and she later moved to Florida, had several children of her own. Cool. (laughs) Don't really think you should have been allowed to have kids. All these people just having more and more children. Yep. So the rest of Gertie's kids were placed into foster care and then later uh, their father took custody of them which is like okay he was also abusive so i feel like that was a bad idea but he was a big chunk of the reason why gertie was the way that she was so and i'm surprised he even took custody of them honestly yeah i'm surprised he didn't just leave them in the foster system it seems like he didn't care about him in the first place not paying child support or yeah like he didn't even support them like (laughs) it's just so frustrating So Jenny Likens later on went to marry and have children of her own. She suffered from severe anxiety and trauma from having to witness this torture of her sister for these three months. And she sadly died of a heart attack in 2004. Uh, It's reported she was a nervous mess in her final years and became very paranoid as her death was caused by a pizza man delivering to the wrong address. So she literally scared to death. Yeah, like she was so scared and traumatized, I think, that these people were going to like find her somehow. That like even someone accidentally coming to her door was too much. Well, it was so many of them that were charged too. like it could have been any of them because she got them in trouble. Yeah, exactly. And she honestly like was such a hero in this story because she was the reason that we even know the real story. She's the reason we know all of this. She's the reason that they even got charged, even though I don't agree with their sentencing. Like At all. At all. The fact that Gertie even got out, like, that is so enraging because she she murdered someone. And they just let her go. Not even just murdered, brutally murdered. I mean, that is a child. Brutally murdered a child. Yeah. So she she never should have seen the light of day again. But yeah, Jenny was the reason that we even know the real story. And there is a foundation set up in Sylvia's name. It is called Sylvia's CAC in Lebanon, Indiana, right? Indiana. Yeah. And you can go to their website. It's sylviascac.org. And basically, it's an organization that helps law enforcement through forensic in- interviews. Um, they offer counseling, mental and physical exams, guidance um, through court, and provide clothing to children, basically, that were taken out of abused households. So there's at least something good that has come of this like a good mark on the world in Sylvie's name. It's just horrible what happened to her. And I'll post like even pictures of her on our Instagram too, because she was so beautiful. She was. And that's the main reason I'm sure Paula was jealous of her and did all of the things that she did. Yeah. And it's horrible that she was able to go and have kids of her own. Yeah. Yes. This is a very horrific story and it was a request. (laughs) It's our first episode. So uh, we will take requests. If you go follow our Instagram, the serial killer gals. Um, We also have that as our email. If you want to email us, Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on this case as it is just, so horrible and um if you have any others that you would like to hear from us we have so many cases that we cannot wait to cover we have lists ready to go (laughs) i do have a very long list like i have been a huge true crime fan for so long 
And like I listen to like Morbid and Necronomapod, Going West. I am huge fans of these podcasts and I just decided to finally take the leap and do it. I'm so excited we're here because I always, yeah, I listen to um, Generation Y, Morbid, obviously Bailey Syrian, my queen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm just like, it's so crazy that we're here doing our own. I know. I love it. So just let us know what you think. Our social media will be in the show notes and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.